you can now hear Movie Heaven Movie Hell on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favourite shows, plus discover from 20,000 news, entertainment and sports shows. You can also create your own custom playlists. Stitcher is available on iOS, Android, Nook, iPad and in over 4 million car dashboards. You can stream your favourite podcasts from Stitcher. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the app store. And please leave us a review and rating on Stitcher. Thank you. Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers who enjoy discussing movies and related media. And for this special initial reactions to Star Trek Discovery episode, we're pleased to welcome a guest. We are joined by producer and Star Trek fan, Pete Mealy. So welcome to the show, Pete. Uh, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Now, it's always it, always good fun to uh, to have guests on these shows. And uh, as our regular listeners probably know, we we have had several episodes that have uh, that have talked about the Star Trek franchise, which is ever growing. Uh, and for once, you know, we do do a lot of talking about the past, but for once, we're actually in the zeitgeist of the moment because uh, you know we're going to talk about something that's that's uh, that's just recently launched. Um, on Netflix in the last week or so. Um, but before we get into that, for the benefit of our listeners, Pete, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you came to discover Star Trek, no pun intended? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a, a producer and writer, uh, worked in TV and radio in the US here, uh, I've produced some podcasts for some different people, and uh, Really, though, I am a Star Trek fan. I uh, I couldn't tell you when Star Trek entered my life because it has always been there. Uh, I was born in the 80s amid uh, the the original series reruns. And, uh, and the biggest event of my childhood was when Star Trek The Next Generation came back on the air or came on the air. And that was, you know, my friends and I, that's all we talked about that summer. And... My parents sat me down. It was, I think, the one show we watched as a family was Star Trek The Next Generation. And I've been with Star Trek ever since. I know you, uh, Keith, right? You said in your other podcast you would make Star Trek plays. You were always trying to produce Star Trek plays, right? <laughs> oh, uh, dear. I'm, I'm blushing here, although nobody can see. But yes, uh, um, you know, I grew up in the 80s. So I was very much a, a fan of. Um, the, the, the Star Trek movies at, at the, yeah. the time that went through there. And then, of course, from that, um, would watch the reruns of the, uh, the, the original series. And then, obviously, you, you know, I, I sort of followed Star Trek ever since. I'll be honest, initially, I was not a big fan of The Next Generation. It took me a while 
to get into that, if I'm totally oh. honest. But, oh, um, shock horror. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, because that first season was so good, wasn't it? But, yeah. Uh, it's, mm, but, I, I have to, I must admit, I, uh, you know, seeing Encounter at Farpoint, you know, uh, that was a it was a good kicking off place, you know. It it's kind of did tell you you were in good hands, and then the after that it was kind of it, it went from really good to not that great. But then it the first series was much better than the second series. I think yeah, we can yeah. all agree the second uh, series wasn't yeah. very good. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting interesting comparison point, right? If we take Encounter at Farpoint and how that started and yes. the emotions we had there with. Uh, the first two episodes of Discovery, right? Also, like a two-hour blockbuster event. Mm. Uh, but uh, you know, maybe later yeah. we uh, comparing how we felt between the two. Oh, oh, definitely. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be a lot of uh, non-Vulcan emotion, um, <laughs> uh, y- y- you know, uh, present in this podcast. I mean, j- j- before we kick off into the actual topic and the conversation. Just a few caveats for our um, listeners out there. At the point that we're recording this right now, uh, there's only been two episodes uh, broadcast, which is The Vulcan Hello and Battle at the Binary Stars. Um, By the time this actually goes online, it's quite possible that there may have been another couple of episodes um, that, that, that have been on. Um, so we may make predictions, etc., cetera, that, uh, that, that we're completely wrong about. Um, we may also, uh, you know, have some spoilers from these first two episodes. So if anybody's, you know, not seen it yet or, you know, getting ready to binge watch it or whatever, then just put us, put us on pause for a couple of hours and come back to listening to us. <laughs> Well, if they've been watching it, it'd be like uh, 15 hours and counting. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But, uh, but I mean, y- you know, I've, um, I've got obviously, I've got some feelings. I've got quite a lot to say about this, but I don't want it to be a, a monologue from me. I really want this to be a conversation. From what I've seen in terms of fan reaction and a few of the reviews that I've read, it has had quite a negative um reaction that way so i you know you know what do you guys think okay um i just want to say i've i I must have missed the negative reaction because so far what i've heard has been positive so what's the negative yeah what's the negative reaction it's it's more the stuff on i don't want to know the negative yeah okay just 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 on imdb there's been a lot of uh you know, th- this is it's mainly fan reaction, I would say, because it's a lot of, you know, this is not the Star Trek we know kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but you know, I don't take a lot of notice of that stuff. Oh, okay. I'm much more interested to know what you guys thought. And uh, I will be chipping in with my thoughts also. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, um, Pete, as you're our guest, why don't you go first? Okay. Uh, so I... Uh, I was I was underwhelmed by the first five minutes of of the show, uh, right? And and honestly, when the opening credit sequence happened, I I was watching it with my daughters, and I I turned to them. They're young. They're you know eleven and eight, and I just went, oh, I hope this gets better. Um, and and I think luckily it did. Uh, I think that the show was was. Uh, was very good at at 
it uh, hinting back to its predecessors and and the sort of history of Trek that where it came from, right? I see I see overtures and like attempts to link into to the culture and and storylines created by Next Generation and also the visual cues of uh, the J.J. Abrams universe. Uh, although this takes place before the split, if you will, right? Mm, um, yes, <laughs> it does. This takes place before. One, the what, one of my one of my problems with it, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. Uh, also, you know, like did you, the the audio hints back to the original. The sorry, audio is a bad word. Um, the the theme song opens similarly to the original series theme song. That's right. right. You get the yeah. You get the Alexandra Courage um, yeah you know, melody at the beginning and and throughout, which uh, which you know many of the the the, the film series has 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 done as well. So uh, yeah, I actually thought it was quite nice to add that. I thought that was great. Beginning, yeah. yeah. I think the opening credit sequence even harkens back to Enterprise, um, which, as you know, is near and dear to my heart, uh, and. Uh, so I really like that part of it, how it is, it is very much Star Trek. Uh, and so it's hilarious to hear people say, this is not the Star Trek we know and love. Uh, but I'm just going to ignore them as internet, you know, malcontents. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I like that. I think that it set itself up to be in a great place. But one thing that it didn't have, which which going back, I think that Encounter at Farpoint had was that uh, Encounter at Farpoint grabbed me right away and pulled me in. And I was fully invested in the world and the relationships. Uh, These two episodes did not do that to me. It was more like, you know, they they made me interested and maybe I'll walk over and, and spend some time. But uh, I wasn't sucked in right away. And so I'm cautiously optimistic because I think there are still uh, 13 episodes to come out. Uh, and and I don't know that the series will, will keep me as happy as Enterprise did, <laughs> um, which there I know is a troubling statement for many people. <laughs> uh, but, I'm just going to speak my truth, okay? I'm yeah, not yeah. going to deny anything. Right? Enterprise <laughs> got me from episode one. Uh, 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 the Next Generation had me from episode one, but also, you know, I was a kid. Uh, I think I was seven when it came out, but I was fully invested. Um, so those are my feelings. Simon, what do you think? Um, well... I wasn't going to watch this so truth. I was going to sort of wait for a while um, just because, you know, uh, life and so many things going on and, you know, you know, podcasts and doing films and all that kind of stuff. So I was going to... I so was going to... my fault. Yes, it's your fault. Because, <laughs> 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 yeah, I, uh, I had... Uh, so weird to say, but um, the, the last couple of days, I've, they've been like really long days. So I've been working all day and then going to like gigs in the evening. And so what I've been having to do is in like grabbing like naps here and there to sort of get me through the day. And of course, yesterday I sort of watched both episodes yesterday instead of a nap. (laughs) Ah. So I was, I was kind of like, well, let's, um, uh, 
let's see how this go and uh, see if I stay awake. And uh, I, I think that's its first true test was that I stayed awake through all of it. I didn't nod off mm. for it at all. Um, I thought, I, I agree with you, Pete, with the, int- the first five minutes. It was kind of like they just threw you in there, uh, especially point of view of the, with the Klingons. And, yeah. you know, you're just kind of like, I think it's that thing where there's a sort of trying to get you used to what the Klingons look like now. And it's um, it, it's certainly it's certainly a, a design choice that they've fully embraced. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. think the Klingons have looked so fancy in all my life, you know. Um, and yeah, it's it's kind of you know setting up the the politics in there and stuff, and you know it's quite curious to see how that's going to turn out. But again, it's how. Um, it's that weird thing where it, if it had been the Kelvin timeline, I think I would have been a lot more happier than if it had mm-hmm. been connected to classic Trek, just because how then do they go from that to what we know being in the original Trek series and the films and Next Generation and stuff, you know, that is, it's, it's gone like a, a completely different direction. Ooh. Well, it still might go Kelvin, right? Because yeah. this happens a couple of years before uh, the 2009 Star Trek movie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then again, I'm just as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about what people must have thought when uh, going from the original series to seeing the motion picture and the massive change they did to the Klingons then. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There is that. That's 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 very key. Yeah. Um, but I, I just want to say uh, I did enjoy it. I, I enjoyed the characters. Um, There's some interesting dynamics. Um, you know, the fact that you, uh, the main character, Michael Burnham, which <laughs> is a funny mm-hmm. name for a girl. Uh, I hope we find out why she's called Michael. <laughs> well, I thought it was Dr. Queen Medicine Woman. <laughs> Her name was Michael as well. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and... Yeah, um, you know, it was that that whole sort of uh, the setup in the two episodes when they get to the binary star system and, and what happens and, you know, and also the fact that she has now been, um, well, spoiler, she's in prison. Yeah. You know, she was, she was like um, lieutenant, uh, was it, no, it would be commander because she kept calling her number one. Yeah, so it was commander. Yeah, yeah, which was a nice nod back. I did like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I also liked um, the Doug Jones character. I thought he was a I, yeah. yeah he was a very good uh, introduction, and he yeah. just because he was somebody who you could tell he would do the right thing no matter what. Though it does the the story does kind of it's one of those stories where it's like oh damn it if they only just did what she wanted to do they wouldn't be in this problems but then they got to <laughs> do it because otherwise. The, the rest of Star Trek and the uh, relationship with the Klingons will never happen. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, I actually, you know, I, I, I had to watch this. I was absolutely itching to watch it because <laughs> I just was happy that we get more Star Trek, you know, back after, you know, uh, 12 years since Enterprise finished. And OK, yes, we've had... Um, you know, three movies in that time. Um, but, you know, it's nice to get it back on a, 
on a platform where you get like a weekly dosage. So yeah. Keith, um, tell tell the audience when you watched this. <laughs> uh, oh God, I'm so sad. I, I literally watched it. I think in the US it aired on the Sunday. The um, what would that have been? The 24th. Am I am I yeah. right, Pete? Yeah, um, yeah. Because it, it's on yeah. CBS All Access over yeah. there. Well, yeah. Actually, so in the US, the first episode actually aired on broadcast TV. Uh, oh, right. Okay. 8.30, and then the second episode you could catch immediately following online. Right, yeah. right. Well, we get it on Netflix for the rest you of the world. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, 24 hours later. So oh. literally as soon as it came up, <laughs> even though I had work the next day and, you know, should have really been getting some rest and doing some prep for that, I, uh, I couldn't help myself. I, I watched both episodes you know, back to back and, uh, uh, yeah, had, had to do it. And, um, you, you, you know, a number of things sort of struck me. I mean, first of all, uh, you know, back to the sort of whole enterprise chat. Um, I remember when enterprise came out, um, you know, that also got a lot of backlash from people because they sort of said, oh, you know, they, they got this wrong and they didn't do this and da, 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 and all this sort of thing. And I actually, I was a big, I had a lot of fondness for Enterprise and I was a big fan of Enterprise. And, uh, you, you know, I, I sort of really sort of cut it some slack. And, and I think, you know, definitely by the time they got to like the fourth season, which sadly was the last season of that, when... Uh, when um, Rick Berman and Brannon Braga brought Manny Cotto on as the showrunner, who was clearly a massive Star Trek fan of the original series. And he started sort of bringing in all these things to sort of tie it into the original series and explain why the Klingons look different and, you, you know, set up, you know, what would happen with data and reference the eugenics wars. And he did all these, all these really clever things. Um, and one of the things I think is that, if you like a problem with Star Trek in in general is what they always did with with Next Gen and and the following series was they always used to sort of go forward. It was always about I, I saw I heard uh, George Takai interviewed once and he said Gene Roddenberry always wanted to move forward with everything and. Um, one of the things they've sort of become obsessed with now is is going back. You know, they've obviously done it with the the movies and they, they did it with Enterprise and now they're doing it with this. And and obviously that that of course comes with its with its problems. Um I really enjoyed this, but my issue was uh I could totally buy this as a sequel to Enterprise. Uh and if you like a a sequel to to what happened with the Kelvin events in two thousand and nine film, so I could see it as a a sequel to Enterprise in the Kelvin timeline. Okay, um, but I have a hard job buying that two years before this, the events of the Cage were supposed to have happened, and then ten years after this, the events of the original series is supposed to happen. Um, it just didn't see. It doesn't seem to make sense. Not just from a from a visual and design perspective, with you know uniforms and ships and sets and props and phases and all that, but also just. I mean, you know, I could buy that at the moment. 
Captain Pike is teaching at the academy, which Kirk and, and McCoy, etc., are at, and that the Enterprise hasn't been launched yet, not for another couple of years yet. But yeah. to, to think that the Enterprise is actually out there somewhere, commanded by Pike with, with Spock on it, doesn't seem to fit with with what this show shows in my opinion and maybe i'm just being too geeky about it but um you know the design of this everything about it um matches the what they've done in the you know what the creative team have done in the in the kelvin the jj abrahams movies but doesn't seem to fit with the other and the thing my point about that is the creative team some of which are the same people that worked on the on the Star Trek reboot movie, they went to great lengths to set up that other timeline, not to piss the hardcore fans off with the continuity, and also to give them storytelling freedom. Whereas I feel that setting this in the prime one is actually going to restrict them more than anything. So I don't know, am, am I just being sad, or do you guys concur with that? I disagree. Okay. Uh, I disagree for, so the, the small point that obviously, right. I have to agree with is yes, the, the visuals of this don't match the visuals of the original series. Um, I'm sure that there are never going to be computer discs in Star Trek discovery, even though (laughs) (laughs) there were in the original series. And that is just, that's just part of, of. You know, that's part of the illusion of storytelling, I guess, that we just have to get on board with, that that we know now that we're not going to need computer disks in the future, so we don't have to write them in, because that's silly. But uh, the one thing that I think is 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 a key point there that you, you haven't uh, ascribed to is that the Klingon uh, hierarchy or cultural structure as displayed here in Discovery, I think perfectly matches what the the timeline and layout should be, considering the events that happened in Enterprise and considering what we know of the original series. Uh, I think that if you look at the Klingon Empire in at the end of Enterprise, it's, it's sort of shattered and rocked by this... Um, you know, a genetic mutation and augmentation crisis that happens, which is what Enterprise uses to explain the smooth-faced Klingons uh, from the original series. And But it, they do make it clear that in Enterprise that not all Klingons are going to suffer this mutation, uh, that it will make them, you know, the more aggressive, the people with this mutation. That's not to say that other Klingons aren't warrior. Am I going too nerdy here? I don't know, but I'm just going to keep going. Not uh, at all. This is great. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> and and uh, so I think that what Discovery is trying to show us is that there there is this section of, of Klingons in so- Klingon society who are trying to get back to what it means to be Klingon which makes sense if you think about the fact that they've just had this gene augmentation crisis within them um, that certain members of the Klingon Empire brought about. And so now here we have this this leader who's trying to say, let's go back to what it truly means to be Klingon. Let's, let's be um, 
you know, pure and truly Klingon. And so it does make sense to me then that there is this one fraction of the Klingon Empire that we will get to interact with in Discovery that is separate from the Klingon Empire that was uh, presented to us in the original series, which if we take the Enterprise storyline, means that those are the smooth-faced Klingons that were genetic augments. Um, it's, you know, sort of, I guess, retcons why Klingons from the original series were always backstabbing and bad and not particularly focused on honor, which is sort of next-generation Klingons, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I see that. It makes a nice bridge between uh, yeah. those. Um, the only thing with, sort of with the Klingons design and, and again, um, you know, you know, I'm being nerdy and of course I understand why these things change. But um, when they had in the in the second episode, when they had the uh, holograms from the other 24 yeah. houses of, of, of Klingons appear, I wish that they'd had a few sort of hairy you know, long-haired, bearded Klingons within that, like like we've come used to in the Star Trek movies and the Next Generation, etc. Because um, the look of the Klingons in this almost, to me, felt like the look of the Klingons in Star Trek Into Darkness. Again, the the, the Kelvin yeah. timeline look, and uh, you know, I'm 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 happy with the fact that you know there are Klingons we haven't seen, and there, there there's different houses and whatever, but as just a little sort of a tip of the hat to the the, the, the fans, I really wish that they'd sort of stuck a, 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 a hairy Klingon in there. Because you think about it, all through the all of the series we've had and the movies, and even the original series, they were portrayed as having beards and stuff. And now they've kind of gone to this sort of bald-type Klingon design. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I, I just kind of found that a bit... Because um, even Enterprise which pilot episode starts, you know, Broken yeah. Bow starts with, um, you know, the Enterprise's first mission being to uh, return a Klingon back to its home world. And, and again, they were the Klingons that we'd seen, you know, the wharf type Klingon that we'd seen yeah. from uh, from the movies and, and the other series. So I, I was a sort of bit puzzled as on one hand, I understand why they've changed the design. I kind of think they could have, they could have compromised slightly and and maybe stuck a, a couple in there in the background for good measure. You know, I don't know. Am I being sad? <laughs> no, actually, I think that would have been really smart to do. I do agree with you, right? Like, it's easier to say like, oh, well, just like people have different faces and different bone structures, Klingons don't all need to look the same with, you know, the same sort of ridge pattern and hair. And so it would have made sense that, you know, you have one house that looks like a, a, a redesign, an original redesign going on. But then I also think like, well, you know, it's in the reality of it, uh, the people doing the makeup felt like they had to put their own spin on it. And they, you know, wanted to give Klingons a new look just for this, which... Which I don't know if I agree with, but I'm willing to accept as part of the visuals, right? Like the way that there aren't um, push buttons and uh, there are LCD display screens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but Enterprise at least tried. I mean, I'll give Enterprise, you know, Enterprise got a lot of stick, but I think design-wise, Enterprise again, considering it was made 35 years after the the original series, and you know. 
technology in our own world had moved on. It was obviously supposed to be set a hundred years before. Um, yeah. you, you know, that they, they, they did a good job at sort of straddling that line, which it, it seems to me with this new show, uh, which I do enjoy. So I'm not, I'm not slagging it completely, but what I'm saying is they seem to have completely ignored that now and, and, uh, you know, gone another way and not explained it in the way that the, 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 the newer movies have done. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to say this. I'm, um, I think a lot of the people involved in this film, oh, sorry, this TV series is not beholden to Gene Roddenberry like they were up to Enterprise because you always had the yeah. teams who worked with or under Gene Roddenberry and they were always sort of, you know, wanting to, you know, beholden to his vision. Now, with CBS and the filmmakers on this one, they were like, well, you know, we've got Gene Roddenberry in name and we've got Star Trek and we know Star Trek is, you know, people in ships and they know the kind of design of ships and, the, you know, we've got the logo and, you know, we can change up the spacesuits and the crew suits and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to the life forms, well, we can just go crazy. I mean, we don't, we just can do whatever we want. And that's kind of, I think, what you're going to see a lot of in this in this new series. I don't think the, uh, when we see the Andorians, because um, they've, they've been mentioned by name, I think they're going to look a lot different to how they looked in the original series and in Enterprise. You see, well, which I have to yeah. say, that mm. makes me slightly sad because mm. yeah. because because the thing with the thing is, I've got anything that's external, i.e., you know, narrative, photography, editing, music, all of that stuff, and, and of where they go with stories, I, I really don't mind. But the internal stuff, you know, the continuity, the timeline, the chronology, the design, the technology, and whatever, I always have a bit more of a a problem with and this is again about defending enterprise i think mm. enterprise got a hell of a load of shit for this and rick berman and brannon bragger got really you know hauled over the co uh, coals by fans about this yeah i think they did a really good job at preserving those things so it just makes me think well what are those fans going to say when they see this because this yeah. looks you know very jj abrams to me and, and understandably you know <laughs> or how about the fact that all of the communications now seem to be via hologram including yes. holograms that interact with the surroundings that was one of the things that i didn't enjoy was uh did you catch that sarek sits on the table in I did, yeah. And I went, hey, on. <laughs> hey. Well, well, actually, while, while we're on the subject of Sarek, let's just talk about that real quick. So Spock, Spock then, in the infamous Star Trek V, that line he says about how I do not often discuss the past, right? Well, no shit, because not only didn't he mention that he had a half-Vulcan <laughs> brother, but he also for, for, for failed to mention that he also had an adoptive human sister as well. And they've got to have grown up at the same time because they're approximately the same age, right, at this point. So, uh, you, know, you know, again, even Vulcan looked like the J.J. Abrahams, those pods where they do the, uh, you know, which was inspired by yeah. Star Trek Four, where they do the... Um, uh, yeah. you know the 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 math questions and training and, and everything, but it, again it, it 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 felt like that. But but again, it's like what what's your thoughts on? Uh, I mean, I like this character, Michael Burnham. Um, I think she does a great job of playing her. 
but w- what's your thoughts on suddenly Sarek having a human adopted daughter? <laughs> where, where, you know, at the same time that Spock's out there serving with Captain Pike or whatever. What are you? What are your thoughts on that, folks? <laughs> well, they're just rewriting everything. I mean, that the thing is, when I'm watching this, I don't think that um, you know Pike and Spock are out there. I mean, it's it's solely focusing on, you know, on this character and this crew. So, um, yeah, it, it yeah, I, you know, it, it works. The story, they you know, they needed an Obi Wan Kenobi character, and they've got it in Sarek. Yeah, it does. It does also really like you know, Sarek and Spock have all these dad issues right like daddy son issues and it really throws it into another light when you're like yeah he had issues with his dad he's half human never enough for his dad but his dad adopts a full human and obviously loves her and expresses emotions for her with her like instantly it sets her up on a starfleet ship when he doesn't want his own son to go into Starfleet, I don't know. And 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 spoilers gives her part of his um, uh, chakra. Katra. Oh, yeah, Katra, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Which, if if you go back to Next Generation, Spock says, "I never had the pleasure, you know. Yeah. I never mind melded with my father, so I he never had that connection, and then he mind melds with Picard." To get yeah. Part yeah. Of his so Sarek was just going around, leaving that everywhere, wasn't he? There's going to be lo- yeah. loads of people popping out the woodwork, going, "Oh, I speak to Sarek too." Yeah, yeah, he was putting it about a bit, wasn't he? Clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what. On the subject of Sarek as well, and again, this is just one of my sort of nerdy, geeky things. But but you know, as an actor, I, I, I would always love to have been in Star Trek, right? But as a filmmaker, there's there's always things I think, oh, if I was doing it, I'd have done it this way. And I know, sort of eight years have passed or whatever, and this is supposed to be a couple of years beforehand as well. But I think it would have been really cool if they'd got Ben Cross to put on the the wig and ears again and yeah. and and come back as as Sarek again. That would link it to the Kelvin timeline. But uh, yeah. I I just think um, that would have been a nice touch, uh, you, you know, rather than having a third actor portraying. Um, Savick, although uh, Sarek, sorry, although um, you know James Frain's doing a great job so far, so I'm I'm certainly not knocking him. I, it's mm. just again a little thing I would have I would have liked as a wink would have been to 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 get Ben Cross in there with those ears on again, you know. <laughs> I absolutely agree. So, what do you guys uh, think about the Star Warsification of Star Trek? Because it's 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 clearly it's Star Wars is now having a big effect on it. I mean, just the fact that I refer to Sarek as being Obi Wan Kenobi in this series, <laughs> you you can see they're clearly taking beats from from Star Wars. Where, uh, you know, it, originally they were chalk and cheese. Well, I would say that actually one of the things that I loved about Discovery was that I feel like it is very Roddenberry in that uh, it it tried, you know, the uh, Michelle, sorry, no, oh, crap, what's the, I didn't bother to learn the captain's name because she's already dead. But um, <laughs> Michelle Yeoh's character. Michelle yes. Yeoh's character, Georgie, yeah. I think. Yeah. Or I think Gregory. Captain Giorgio or something Giorgio, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something uh, like that. <laughs> she does something that you're never going to see in Star Wars, 
which is let's make peace, right? Mm-hmm. Let's find the middle ground. The admiral comes out and is says, let's find the middle ground. Uh, Star Wars has always been for me just a simple good against bad fight without uh, that sort of uh, the narrative of let's both become better and let's both rise above this fight. Yeah. But it's interesting that in these in these in this series so far, they've shown that that uh, point of view has ended in ruin because she, the, the both characters who have that point of view are both killed off. And the one character who says, no, let's attack them, you know, okay, she's been punished within the Federation, but, you know, she's going to live on to fight another day. I guess I, guess I have great hopes that, that um, the allegory that this season is going to, you know, refer to and sort of like the original series is is the sort of the, the current issue in the world, right. Of, of hate versus inclusiveness. Mm. And, and how do we, how do we live in a world where there are people who are going to spread hate and isolationism? Uh, how do we, how do we make this world a better place? And, uh, and so that is like the under theme that I picked up from the two episodes that I find really interesting. And I, I saw in these episodes what I feel like is the right message, which, you know, might be my own personal hangups there. But, um, and, and so I truly hope that they develop that more as the story goes on, that, that the way to combat isolationism and hate is not with force and with anger, uh, but but with acceptance and yes it does mean that you lose fights you get killed but if more of you pick up the torch and keep going uh then everyone is better off in the end yes but i mean this this is the this is the problem that uh, star trek discovery has as a series is that you ultimately know where the destination is the the final point because we know that um there's a cold war between the Federation and the Klingons. There's the neutral zone. And then there's, um, you know, and then we know that the peace comes because the fact that the Klingons need help from um, their yeah. uh, their power moon for being destroyed. And so, you know, you, you know that uh, I guess the goal of Discovery is setting up the neutral zone. Yeah. I mean, th- yeah. this is back to my point about the fact they always seem to sort of go back to this era rather than moving forward like like they obviously did with next gen and 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 etc they they've sort of now sort of stuck on going back to the the sort of kirk spock era um if you like and uh um i mean one of the things i always used to sort of defend enterprise over when, when again when people sort of didn't like it was i i said you know what i felt is it, it kept to the spirit of Star Trek. You know, it was about exploration. It was about let's get out there and find, you know, new life and new civilizations and all that sort of thing. And, um, and, and, and you know, hopefully this show, at the moment it seems to be pushing against the Prime Directive, if you like, but hopefully, um, you, you know, as it evolves, which, which I'm sure it will, um, 
you know, that'll change. But what, what's interesting about the whole sort of Star Wars thing is I've, I feel like Star Trek and Star Wars have always kind of, even though they're very different, they've always kind of fed off of one another to a certain yeah. extent. And uh, just the point you made, um, Pete, about the fact that the, the primary uh, means of communication in this, even though it's obviously set beforehand, where it was, you always used to be view screens. Um, now it's holograms, which, let's be honest, that's a, a very Star Wars uh, oh, universe yeah. um, means of communication. So, so, so that is interesting. Um, I, I have to admit, but but one I of the other that. things, yeah. one of the other things that, um, that that that's very apparent uh, from these these two first episodes which which interestingly enough it's kind of weird rather than having a sort of feature length episode like most of the shows apart from the original series have had um these have been individual episodes but of course you, you know essentially it's like part one and part two because it sort of followed directly on from one another but whereas all those other pilots always set up the the entire crew the yeah. ship, you know, the the, the 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 series. It's very interesting that it's thus far we've not met the the titular ship, and we've only been introduced to maybe two or three of the regular characters that are going to be on this. So, um, you, you know, we've still got a hell of a lot more to come. I mean, we haven't even seen Discovery yet, have we? <laughs> no, but this is this is the whole thing about this series. This is the first time we're getting a Star Trek series where. Every episode leads into the to the next one, so it's not episodic. It's not like you can drop into this, you know, series at any point. You have to watch it from beginning to end. At the end of it, it's going to be like a, a fifteen-hour movie. Yeah, yeah, which is well, great. Like I love that idea. You know, I mean, Star Trek Enterprise kind of experimented with this in the third season, mm, didn't they? Season with that whole Zindi arc yeah. and whatever, but. Uh, um, obviously, that's that's kind of where TV is in general now, particularly on a platform like uh, Netflix. Netflix or whatever. It's 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 less episodic, like Star Trek has always been, and and much more of a sort of serialized drama, really, isn't it? But um, yeah. But apparently, we're supposed. I know they hinted at this with um, in Star Trek Beyond with uh, uh, you know revealing that that Sulu is in a same sex relationship and whatever. But I've read that. We're supposed to be having a sort of first openly gay character as well in this, but I'm not aware that we've actually met that person yet. Have we in these first two episodes? No, uh, I, no. Yeah, no. I mean, the end of the day, there, there's so much going on. You, you, there wasn't time to get to know the characters properly <laughs> outside of our main character. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've met our first officer, who's going to be our lead, haven't we? And we've yeah. met. Uh, you know, Doug Jones's alien character, is it Saru or Saru or I don't know, yeah. I can't remember how you yeah. pronounce it, but, but, uh, and they, they seem to have a very interesting relationship, you know, they, they, they've definitely got that sort of, uh, you, you know, different sides of the same coin type thing going on there with, um, with, 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 uh, Michelle Yo was kind of providing that, uh, that balance it was almost for a minute i thought that was going to be the the um the triad of of you know kirk spock and mccoy relationship i thought it was going to be you, you, you know michelle yo 
Berman and, and Saru, but uh, obviously it's not going to go that way as we found out. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that they did it so well, right? Like these three had such great play and such an interesting relationship. Those like three minutes where they're all on the bridge together and talking, it, it I loved. And then you find out, and I was so hoping that that would be more of the series. And it is most definitely not going to be more of the series. Yeah, yeah. I know it was a bit of a, uh, um, uh, well, it was good. What, what this did do is, whereas in many respects it felt very familiar, I mean, you know, we had we had bridge scenes and space battles and, you, 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 you know, visually it looked very much like, you know, what we've come used to with the films and, and, and the sort of more latter series and whatever. But one thing it definitely did in terms of, um, you, you know, the, the, the narrative and the story was, was do things that were unfamiliar. And definitely there are one or two things that happened in those first episodes very quickly which were not what you were expecting as, as a viewer. And, and, you know, I applaud them for that. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, what, one of the things I thought also was quite interesting was, and again, I'm, I've, I've sort of done a bit of research to try and find out a bit more about this, but what are your thoughts on the fact that Brian Fuller actually left the series? Uh, I tried not to read too much going in because uh, I was worried and, and I just wanted to be able to enjoy uh, the, I wanted to be able to enjoy what was presented to me without having to go into a lot of backstory. And so I have tried to read some articles about it now that I've watched the two episodes. Uh, and what, what I gather is that like he had a different vision and he had disagreements I don't know what what he was advocating for that didn't get put on the screen, uh, and and maybe it hasn't shown up yet. But but I think that whatever it was might have been the right decision because the product that we have is is good. The first two episodes, I'm willing to say, are good, and and so I don't feel like it was a disaster. Yeah, I mean bits I've read. Um... You, you know, because uh, I mean, obviously he's he's responsible essentially, but particularly in these first two episodes for for the for the basic storyline of what we've seen. You, you know that 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 very much came from him. Uh, you know, with some with some rewriting fr from from others. But um, yeah. uh, my understanding of it is is one of his things was about the sort of more design aspects of the show, and I think from what I heard that he wanted to. Um, try and make it uh, tie in a bit better, if you like, with the original series. You know, these things that I have problems with, if you like. And, um, uh, you know, ultimately there was some sort of creative differences. Um, and it's a shame because obviously early in his career, he was involved with Voyager. You know, he was one of yeah. the writers on Voyager. And I don't know whether you guys are fans or have watched the, uh, the, the Hannibal um, series that he was the uh, the showrunner and an executive producer on, but uh, you, you, you know I really like this guy's work. You know he, he does push boundaries quite a bit, so I think it's 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 a bit of a shame that um, that that he's that he's not staying on to shape Star Trek. But uh, 
But he's got us this far, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there problems with Nicholas Meyer as well? Wasn't he not doing it? And yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's it, down as consulting producer, producer isn't yeah. he, on that? But whatever yeah, that means. Yeah, there's, there's, um, <laughs> I have to say, with the opening credits, there was a lot of producer credits. Yeah, it's like, wow, this credits, this credit sequence could be a lot shorter if we got rid of all the producers. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I have to say, talking about the opening, the, the credit sequence. I'm not a fan of of it. Tell the truth. I mean, if any if anything, I'm quite glad on Netflix. There's a skip uh, intro button there now because it's like oh really yeah. I'm, okay. I, 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 it's not the it's not the music. I just think this whole sort of because um, they're sort of showing the designs and stuff like Blueprints that. Blueprints. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just it's kind of like this is I don't know. It's just sort of. Maybe because I was a bit tired, but uh, I was thinking, God, this is just a bit too much. Well, I mean, credit sequences have always been a Star Trek thing mm. in a time now where, you know, because of time restrictions and stuff, where, you know, very few shows get a proper credit sequence anymore. They're usually just a sort of, um, you know, logo and then it's credits over the action, as it were. So, yeah. um yeah. yeah, I think it's quite nice that we get a theme and, and, and credits. And, and, and they did, as, as you said, Pete, they, they kind of in, reminded me in a little way of, of, of the sort of enterprise credits where they had the sort of man's, man's exploration through the yeah. years, mm. right the way up to first contact, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it's the history and, of exploration. Uh, yeah, the history of exploration, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I mean... I, I didn't have a problem with that, I have to say. And I like the uh, use of the theme music. And just to go to the other end, I loved it. I okay. loved it. Uh, probably because they are reminiscent to me of, uh, of Enterprise. They are a departure from your other Star Trek credit mm. sequences, which have always been these animated or computer-generated, uh, you know, scenic shots for for lack of a better word of of spaceships going through nebulas and planets circling suns and uh oh yeah especially, especially the voyager, voyager credits were very much like that weren't they yeah actually void the voyager credits i saw somebody gave me a copy of the original computer graphics before like six months before the series went to air so those were the first things I saw of Voyager, and I just remember loving them. Hmm. But now uh, I think it's great that we have this other other way to present Star Trek. And hopefully, I'm being selfish here, but hopefully people will get used to these credits for Discovery and then stop hating Enterprise so much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, no, I know, I know what you're, I know where you're going with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but 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 I mean, w w one of the things you know. Again, this was one of the things. The look of this, you know, um, to me, you know, so feels like the the uh, the Kelvin universe. I mean, oh. e e even yeah. even the phases. I could totally buy that these were a precursor to the flippy phases that we get in um, in, in the reboot films, but. Uh, um, yeah. I, I guess I guess one of the I, I don't know whether one of the reasons they've done that is to try and 
you know, stop story restrictions in case they make more movies or whatever and have them sort of concurrently in the same time, you know, time space. But, um, uh, I, 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 don't, you know, I don't know. That's my, that's, that's, that's a niggle of mine. If you like, my head cannon <laughs> wants to believe that this is in the Kelvin timeline and I'm cool with it. But every time my head, you know, cannon says it's in the, 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 the prime timeline, I seem to, I seem to find issue. And, uh, I, I, you're right. I just need to let it go. Don't I? <laughs> you need to let that one go because it still might turn out to be in the Kelvin timeline. You don't yeah. know. Yeah. You never know. You uh, never, know. never and, know. And the other thing is, as well, is, you know, apparently the budget of this is like eight million an episode. And, and I have to say that the, the visual effects on this are absolutely top notch. I mean, they're as good as anything we've seen in the movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. I really, really did think that the space battle, which, I, you know, it's inevitable. They have to have space battles in these things now because it has to be more Star Wars. There you go. Um, yeah. But, uh, you, you know, I thought all of that stuff looked absolutely incredible. You know, I was I was most impressed. But one of the things I did like with the sound effects was I liked the fact that on the bridge, they did have some of the original series sound effects. And, and that did sort of make me smile and uh, and make my heart jump slightly. I what did you guys think about that sort of stuff? Oh, no, as the uh, sound design and the visual effects and so everything was sort of top notch. I mean, it's it's kind of like what you expect now uh, from television. I mean, the thing that TV used to be films poorer cousin is it's not the case anymore. Oh, no way. They yeah. blurred totally. Yeah. yeah. But that's, yeah. that's just because now there is a lot more money, you know, being made from TV. I mean, the fact that it's on Netflix, the fact that, you know, CBS has have launched their own uh, streaming service with this show, you know, it, they had to be, you know, big and bold. Otherwise, you know, nobody's going to pay for them. This another subscription service. Actually, what I heard was that CBS was profitable on discovery before, uh, before any of these episodes aired, which means that they made their budget, they made all of that money by licensing to Netflix in all the different countries. Wow. Uh, so any money they make from all access is just extra on top. Wow. Okay. They literally don't care, is, is what I read, is that, uh, yeah, they were good already. Uh, wow. So that, that might be part of, you know, they're committed to spending money because they got all that money up front. Um, yeah. Uh, and all it can do is make more money for them. It's not a gamble at this point. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So it's doing well that, because as I said, um, I had no idea before we, um, started recording this, uh, you, you know, what your guys' reactions was going to be. That's why I was just like, let's, let's, let's get mm. straight into the episode. But, um, you, you know, there there are. I'm not one for um, reading reviews and stuff, but you know, I looked on, uh, I said IMDb, and every, you know, some of the things are just like people put awful, worst show on television, worst Star Trek pilot ever, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, it's getting one stars and and real backlash on this so um and and that's nearly every review that's up at the moment is is negative rather than rather than positive so i i'm quite pleased to hear that you guys 
feel positively about it because mm. because I'm optimistic about it. I think to myself, we've still got you know twelve more episodes to go. That's another ten hours of of, of television there to to watch, and this could really evolve and go somewhere. Um, mm. You, you, you know, so I, I'm I'm positive about it, but uh, but there's you know my only thing is is geeky stuff about the fitting into the timeline, which I'm just being yeah. a sado, and I need to you know go and take off my anorak and get a bloody life basically, <laughs> but so, start dating girls again or something. You know what I mean? It's 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 just like what am I doing? But um, but Keith, can I just say something about uh, negative reviews, especially yeah. on IMDb? As a filmmaker with who has films up on IMDb that's been reviewed, <laughs> yeah. you, you tend to find that people who have a negative view are more likely to write on there than those who have a positive view. Yeah, yes. did any of us review it on IMDb? I didn't. No, I didn't. No, we're doing we're doing that right now. There you <laughs> right go. now, but, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, but I uh, mean, it, it takes time to write a review, um, especially if it's something that's a bit more eloquent than this was a piece of shit, which a lot of I, I've had that review many times or don't watch or it's you know it's easy to sort of write something negative than it is to sort of praise so I'm, I'm always happy to see winners like a you know a praising review of any of my work because it probably it sort of because the, the shit reviews outweigh it so mm. you know you, you'll see that on IMDB or Rotten Tomatoes or whatever you know there's but the thing is, people are going to watch it, even if they don't. I, I tell you what, even if they don't, if they don't like it, they're probably going to watch it more. Yeah. Well, what What are your thoughts on this whole sort of with the pl- platform? I mean, obviously, when Marvel release stuff on Netflix, you get the entire series, and you can literally, well, which I have done, you know, spend an entire day watching every single episode in one go. But obviously, they've chosen to do this in a episode each week what what are your thoughts on that do you like that does it is it nice to have something to look forward to uh i think it's interesting from an academic point of view um you know like i've, I've been interested in it in the idea of like we're, we're at the forefront of new media right and and how does how does the internet affect television and wh- what does television on the internet look like uh so I'm super interested in how this is going to work just in terms of this is, this is a first, right? We've got a brand new show, one episode aired on network television. All of the others are just going to be online. Uh, and the, the, the TV channel that is producing them has already sold the rights overseas. Uh, so I think it's interesting. I think I want to see how it goes. I mean, Hulu has done and is doing uh this on on their stuff like uh the handmaid's tale was not released in bulk it was released one at a time and um, that's won multiple emmys as well hasn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. uh some people are doing it and like netflix has a foot in it right like they they have the chelsea handler show which is which is live right or or not live but released weekly uh I think it's interesting. I, uh, it doesn't make a difference to me in terms of how I'm consuming it. Uh, I, I think that there are going to be weeks when I watch it right when I can. And then there are going to be weeks when I'm not able to, and I'll maybe watch two the next week. Uh, 
Uh, but I'm flexible and, and I don't think I have strong opinions. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Simon? Uh, it, it's one of these things where they're, they're sort of playing to both camps. So they're playing to the, uh, the old school camp of, you know, watching it weekly. And then, you know, once it's all up there, you can get, you know, you can wait and you can, um, you know, binge watch it. But it's just, the thing is, it does feel like that model is kind of out, it's just sort of kind of outdated, especially for when it's a show that, you know, each episode leads into another. And sometimes having that weak gap, you then have to try and remember what happened or so, you know, it's. I th- I think with this series, I I would I actually I would have preferred it if they had released the whole lot. If they'd done like a Stranger Things, where you could have binge watched it, because I I think I yeah because yeah, having to I mean I watched um, when me and my girlfriend decided to watch Stranger Things. You know, we thought well we watch one episode. And then, like seven episodes later, we're like, "Oh, we have to go to bed now." <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll finish this tomorrow. And it has that feel. I mean, having the two uh, episodes together, back to back, like that, because you 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 wanted to to find out what was going to happen, and and now you're sort of going, "Well, now I've got to wait a week," and you know, probably for myself, I'm going to have to wait two weeks because I'm, I'm going to be on holiday, so. You know, and it's kind of like it does have that kind of I want to watch it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, you have I'm, to wait a week to meet the right captain, right? Yeah, you exactly. Have to wait a week to meet the actual discovery. Yeah, Jason Isaacs, I believe. Is that right? Is that That's right. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. We've not even seen him yet. Yeah, we've not even seen the discovery yet. So no. yeah, I'm looking forward. I mean, uh, I'll be honest. For for me, and I, I do a I do a hell of a lot of binge watching. Um, but what I find is if I binge watch something, I don't remember it in the same way as I do if I watch one episode every week or a couple of episodes every week. You know, it's, it's really weird. I don't know why that is. Uh, I don't know whether it's just something with my brain or what. But my, my, recollect, my recollection and my recall of something, if I watch it weekly, is way better than if I do an entire binge watch and then try and like, oh yeah, what happened? You know, go to the next season or whatever and try and remember back to what happened. Um, it, it, it's really odd. It's an odd phenomenon. It, it's, it's, you know. I think in, a, in this age where we know it's all been filmed, it's all been completed, it would be nice to have the choice because if you wanted to watch it weekly, you could watch it, you could watch it weekly or, you know, if you just wanted to binge on it, there it all is. Actually, I think they're filming the last couple of episodes right now. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Do you guys get um, After Trek? Yes. <laughs> oh, where's that? Where's that? It's on Netflix. Annoyingly, <laughs> oh, it? annoyingly, it? it's it, um, it goes straight into, uh, if you're watching on Netflix, it pops up. And if you don't press a button or, you know, it auto plays. It auto plays. And Does it? I, that never happened with me. Oh, okay. Well, maybe they've just. Maybe, maybe it's just too early. Maybe it's just been added. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, uh, I know it's there. But I, I tend not to watch those kind of shows. I mean, because it's just. 
and I don't know. It's I, I'm not a fan of that kind of programming. We we have a oh. we we have a lot of it over in the UK. It's like shows like Strictly Come Dancing, all our sort of reality TV shows have the sort of sister show, you know. And for some of them, like Strictly, they're 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 on during the week. They're like thirty minute episodes during the week between the main episodes of the show. Oh. Yeah. Daddy, I can't believe that on a Star Trek podcast, we uh, strictly come dancing. <laughs> what the hell? I, it's the I only mean, example. Infinite, I mean, <laughs> infinite diversity and infinite combinations, gentlemen. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, of course, you've got like the Talking Dead, you've got. Um, yeah. Talking oh. Bad. Talking yeah. Bad, isn't yeah. It? yeah. I mean, I. I was it was it lost originally started that kind of concept where they would talk about the show afterwards well actually well actually interestingly i've got kind of a shadow answer to that because <laughs> um what one of the things i was going to say about the you, you know the binge watching versus weekly mm. is i was going to say like 15 years ago uh, when 24 was on um you know we had it on the bbc here initially um and every single week, it would be on a Sunday night, I'd tune in, I'd switch off my mobile phone, nobody dared ring me because I was, at, you know, and at the end of every episode when that clock counter went up, I just could not wait to the next episode and knew I had a whole week to, to, to wait. And I kind of liked that in some respects. But immediately after that show, there was a show called Pure 24, which... Um, was exactly that it was it was um hosted by oh a lovely woman i'm trying to think of her name tasman's i can't remember her full name but um but it would be a a show that would chat about 24 and sometimes have guests on or recorded interviews for behind the scenes and they would speculate what was going to happen next week and they'd discuss the episode which is exactly what they do in things like talking dead and you know, you know, talking bad and all of those sorts of shows. So I, I don't know whether it originated here with that or whether that's just coincidence. But uh, I remember I used to tune into that show where it used to come on straight after the episode of 24. And uh, I used to love it. <laughs> Tamsin Sylvester. Tamsin. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wonder what happened to Tamsin Sylvester. There you go. Yeah. Isn't Google a wonderful thing? <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, and, and, you know, that, that was, that was exactly that sort of format. Um, did they have one for Dexter as well? Or am I imagining that? Well, Dexter maybe. would have been on, well, maybe in the BBC, but in the U S it was on a prime cable. And I don't think they did. Yeah. I love Dexter. That's another show. I was a big fan of Dexter, but there you go. Um, but, but sorry, back to Star Trek then. Sorry. What, what one, one question I've got <laughs> for you guys. Um, so the first episode, the Vulcan, hello, Right. And obviously, you, you, you know, uh, Berman talks to Savick about how, you know, they, they dealt with the first contact with Klingons uh, back in the and, you know, the Vulcans, the solution was that the Vulcans fired on them. Right. Mm. But I don't know. Is, was that a logical thing to do? I, I did kind of my, again, my head cannon was kind of thinking, oh, is, is that do I like that? I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well, I mean, it wasn't um, that wasn't the first contact scenario. What happened was that they they had met them and their ship was destroyed. So the, the logical thing is, if you're going up against a warring race, that 
every time you see them, it's better to shoot first than to shoot last. Right. Yeah. Okay. I For me, it was sound logic. It was also, it did strike me as very Vulcan in that, you know, oh, here we have a problem. What do we do? We get rid of it. Mm. Right. We so, yeah, it's logical around. when you look at it that way. Yeah. No, good point. Good point. Yeah. I just... Yeah, I mean, also, come on, remember your enterprise, right? The Vulcans were in a peace treaty with the Andorians and yet still were spying on them. And, yes. you know, we're still we're still overly militaristic. Uh, this is very true. This yeah. Is, in, in, fact, in fact, this series, I think it's fair to say, owes Enterprise an incredible amount, right? Because, again, you know, because Enterprise, let's be honest, that is the... The, the 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 child that's not liked out of the star trek tv family i mean everybody always blames it as being the death of star trek which really yeah. winds me up when people say that but um but 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 you know rick berman and brannon bragger you know have had a lot of flack about enterprise yet i think enterprise did a lot of things really well and as i said it makes me laugh that in the kelvin timeline enterprise is the actually the only one that officially exists now <laughs> which is kind of a take that fan take that haters uh, but you know yeah. and and didn't the ship in this look a lot like the ship from enterprise it did shenzu yeah it did shenzu, it, yeah. yeah it did look like um it, well, well put it this way i can totally buy that it's a successor of the nx01 Mm. yeah from 105 years earlier or whatever so yeah it makes well, sense didn't they reference in this that the shinzo is an older model ship that's right yes in the second right. episode yeah, yeah she says it's it's an old ship um it's an old ship like god it certainly it looks looks fucking newer than voyager but there you go <laughs> <laughs> i don't know uh, Voyager was really. I like that ship. That's one of my favorite ships. Oh, I did. Yeah, I like, I've, yeah. Got, I've got fondness for Voyager as well. Um, you know, that's another show that gets gets a lot of flack. But gets a uh, lot. Of... Um, now I've got fondness for Voyager as well. But, uh, <laughs> I, that's yeah. a whole other podcast. <laughs> Can we go back to this point? Was it? You yes. know, a lot of people are are being negative about it, and they're saying it's not their Star Trek. But I can't stop myself from being so happy that now I get 15 new episodes of Star Trek. I am going to have these opportunities to watch new Star Trek this year, which is something that I haven't been able to do for a long time. Um, it, it's the first time that I'm going to be able to sit my child down next to me and, and have them watch with me new Star Trek, which is what my parents did with me when I was roughly their age. It's it's a uh, it's a sentimental thing, but it just makes me so crazy happy. And maybe that's part of my problem that like I'm willing to overlook these inconsistencies in timeline and technology just for the joy of having Star Trek. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I'm with you there. I mean, uh, you, you you know, as I said, it's it's only the sort of nerd in me the 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 guy that uh you know the, the guy that sits outside of the filmmaker so there's the filmmaker that understands why they change these things and then there's the star trek nerd that wants to believe oh this 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 could happen and this could all be connected and all that sort of shit and um you, you know from a, from as i said it's it's more of a there are i i think there's a few story points that 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 could be problematic setting it when they've set it 
Um, but then again, it could be an opportunity as well, like you said, to sort of bridge some stuff. So, um, so, so we'll see what happens. But, but let me ask you, um, you're obviously a massive fan of, you know, we, we know you're a massive fan of enterprise and you speak fondly of next gen and, you know, all of that stuff. What is, is your thoughts then on the JJ Abrahams movies? How, how do you feel about those? <laughs> uh yes well uh i loved being able to see star trek in the theaters um Mm -hmm. although i did not see the third one in theaters what uh yeah i was i so the first one came out and look I'll, i'll i'll say it i went with friends of mine from the star trek bbs a group of us all went together and we saw it and we came out of that theater and we were so happy and we were slapping each other on the back and going like, thank God, right? They, they did another Star Trek movie and it was fantastic. And um, I ran out and bought the DVD right when it came out and I kept watching it and watching it and watching it. And slowly I was like, hey, I don't like this. I was excited, but... Uh, there's a lot of this that doesn't feel like Star Trek to me. There's a lot of this that just feels like a space battle, a Star War, if you will. Um, and then the, the second one came out, and I was like, well, I'm going to go. I want to see what happens. And um, I felt like, oh, they're, they're trying to get back to what makes Star Trek Star Trek for me. But... Uh, I, I don't think they're doing a very good job of it. And 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 it, it just, it didn't sit quite right. And so then I ended up not seeing the third one in theaters, but then I did watch it on DVD. And uh, I thought like, oh, oh, this is, this is actually much closer to what I think Star Trek is. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is. it is a great story arc for... Uh, Chris Pines Kirk as he sort of learns about family and, and, and love and friendship. Uh, And so I have very mixed feelings about it is the way to sum it up shortly. I I think that JJ Abrams was 100% auditioning for a star Wars job with his first (laughs) Star Trek movie. Well, that worked out, didn't it? (laughs) It worked out great for him. Uh, And and in the short term, it was a great movie. I think that if you watch that now, it does does not hold up with Star Trek. It it doesn't resonate the same way for me as as I, God, I'm sorry, I'm gonna make no friends on this podcast, but it doesn't hold up for me as well as undiscovered country or, or, um, what's the, um, the really bad, not the really bad one. The, uh, the final frontier, final frontier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the one we love to rather watch yeah. final frontier than star Trek 2009. I would rather watch insurrection. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I must admit, though, sort of when it comes to rank, ranking the films, I think Nemesis is like the worst Star Trek film out there. 
Oh right, I yeah. forgot about Genesis. Yeah. It's, that's, that's, Even though you get Janeway cameo in it, I did like that. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's just a mess of a film. It's just, it's just a terrible. Oh, it is film. totally. Yeah. yeah. Even, even yeah. like Insurgent and oh no, not Insurgent, Insurrection. Oh, Insurrection. I'd, I'd come up with a new Star Trek film, Insurgent. There you go. Um, there you go. Uh, yeah, even Insurrection. It it was enjoyable, and it's you know at least it was it had a story that was going along. It just seemed in. Inqu- oh bloody hell words escape me it didn't seem to matter as much as say like first contact did or generations well yeah, like you guys said yeah you guys said in your podcast right like like those movies are like very long star trek tv yes. episodes yeah they don't have the the pomp or the importance of the better movies and and i feel like star trek 2009 uh didn't have the meat mm. or the soul of a Star Trek, even TV show. It had all the, you know, the flash and the bang. Um, and it, it paid homage in the right places to Star Trek lore. Uh, but uh, I mean, apart from, I'm sorry, I, I get too dorky, I think, because <laughs> I was about to go like, well, they did have that theme where they were building the Enterprise in Iowa and everyone knows that the enterprise is built off of Mars. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, um, but yeah. that's in the prime timeline, not the Kelvin one. You see, yeah. that's what I mean. So, they, right. they, 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 yeah. they, they, that's what they did. That was so clever in that is yeah. they actually, by having the split timeline. Okay. They made the fact that there are all those inconsistencies um, work. Cause essentially with the timeline split, some things seem more advanced and some things they're behind on. For example, the Enterprise hadn't even launched yet at that point, whereas in the prime timeline, the Enterprise is supposed to have already had two missions prior to where we're at now, you know, yeah. with uh, with Pike and then with Captain April before that and, and you know, all this sort of thing. So that's what they did that was that was, I thought, a genius stroke, which is what I think this show, Discovery, suffers from is the fact that it looks like it should be in that continuity rather than um, prequeling um, the original series or or being a couple of years after the events of, of The Cage. And again, that's being really dorky. I know that. I need to, you, you know, and I understand why it looks different. I totally get it. Mm. But but it just it, it's just one of those things that, that bothers the headcanon, if you like. Well then, um, then do think of it as the uh, Calvin universe. I think it's it probably is. I think that's probably what the intention was. I think you know, as as you've got so many uh, you know producers and cooks and everything, probably somebody just went, oh no, it's you know, it's 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 connected to, to you know, somebody went, it connect, it's connected to Kirk and Spock, and but probably meant you know. Uh, movie Kirk and Spock, not original series Kirk and Spock. Actually, we might be getting the Telvin c- t- timeline confused here because doesn't it start before Kirk's birth? It starts at that- Kirk, yeah. yeah. 2233 20, when um, Nero's ship comes back from the, you know, post next gen and all that stuff when Spock creates that um, wormhole and it comes back. That's where it shifts. So twenty-two thirty-three. Yeah, which is when Kirk's father dies on board the Kelvin. Yeah, that's yeah. that's mm. when it's changed. So there's so up to this point now, there's about twenty, twenty-two, twenty-three years of history 
different from what would have been, you know, so the cage wouldn't have happened because Pike would still be on earth teaching at the Academy, you know, where he finds Kirk in the bar and all that stuff. Yeah. So that's why th this to me feels like it would totally fit into that from both a design point of view, but also just from a, um, a continuity point of view in general, whereas both the design and the story continuity doesn't seem to fit where they just say, oh, well, this is before Kirk and the Enterprise, because technically the Enterprise is supposed to be out there with Spock on it. Yeah. And Captain Pike um, yeah. as commander. And I'm saying this as somebody, you know, I've got to admit, I sound like an absolute Star Trek nerd here. Right. But I, I'm not an aficionado by any means. And what I mean by that is, there, there is no Star Trek series apart from possibly Enterprise where I've seen every single episode. You know, yeah, there, right. there, there, I, there, there are, I have seen. That's I've ridiculous, missed, though. Yeah, like, I why mean, haven't missed, you fixed that? Well, you, <laughs> yeah. you have. I know you went and sat down and watched everything for a summer, didn't you? A whole summer or something. I watched Which is amazing. Single... But no, I mean, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an aficionado of the movies, all of the movies, and there are episodes of Star Trek that I have watched you know, multiple times through the whole history of Star Trek, you know, from the original through next gen Voyager enterprise, everything. But, but, you know, I'm saying these things bother me and I'm not saying it as somebody that knows every single beat and character development of Star Trek. But, you know, I, I understand the basic chronology, the basic timeline and the sort of continuity and, 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 you know, Discovery does not seem to fit where it's supposed to. Um, but, although I take your point about the Klingon stuff, and I think that that absolutely works. Yeah. Although they look wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Different, infinite diversity and infinite combination. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's all about uh, Vulcan philosophy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all about Vulcan philosophy. Uh, I think though that the Discovery, we don't know if it's in the Kelvin timeline or not. Because it's no, it's just that they're saying it's not. But yeah, yeah. Are they true. we don't not? know. Well, apparently all the, all the write-ups are saying it's not. Yeah, uh, Every, everything. If you, if you look on like Wikipedia or whatever, you know, it, it, and even on IMDb, which we know is always 100% correct, but, right? Oh, yeah. it, it, actually, it actually makes a point in the notes of saying this takes place in the prime timeline and not the rebooted um, yep. Kelvin continuity. So, oh, well, um, then that is weird. And and I think I think the reason behind it is obviously I know it's all owned by Paramount, but essentially you know CBS have the TV side, and and I guess you know Bad Robot or whatever have the um, the the film side. Film. And I guess if there's going to be future films, they're worried about um, restricting themselves with stories in case they. They, they clash somewhere, I guess. But, yeah. um, uh, you, you know, the, the complete opposite as to why they created the timeline in the, the Kelvin timeline in the third, in the first place, you know, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah it's, it, it's, 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 you know, I think the uniforms look cool. Uh, they're an evolution of the enterprise uniforms is the, is the way I look at it. And, um, I like them actually. They, they, they look good. <laughs> I thought they looked great. I think, yeah. uh, I also I always like seeing a two piece uniform because that means the actors are more comfortable. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
Right. Yes. The next gen. Yes. The next gen one piece. The changes in season three. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I was pleased to see that. Uh, I think the collar looks interesting. I think the subtle color changes between piping or however you want to say it, the accents, right? Some are gold, some are silver. Some uh, bronze. Yeah. Some bronze. bronze. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Uh, I, I like the, I like all of the visuals. I think the visuals do pull off the Kelvin timeline, even though it's not in the Kelvin timeline. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Uh, what are you hoping to see in this series? What do you think they're going to, they're going to pull out the bag? I'm hoping to be surprised. Um, I really am. What, what, what I'm hoping they don't do too much of, I'll be honest, is, okay, they've got um, Sarek in as the sort of connecting character between, you know, what we know and what we don't. But, you know, and I know you always have a problem with this, Simon. I hate anything that makes this big galaxy suddenly seem really small. Oh, so yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that there's not going to be too many attempts to try and tie it in with the other stuff in terms oh. of characters i'm, I'm hoping you're gonna be disappointed oh am i okay there's plans are there i've i've avoided anything that's to come so I, uh, so well well but if you haven't seen every episode i don't know like how much it's going to affect you but there was a character in the original series who reoccurred for i think two or three episodes um okay who was not a Starfleet member. He was like a, yeah. A, do you know Harry Mudd? Oh, Harry Mudd. Yeah. 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 Okay. Ray yeah. Wilson is playing Harry Mudd. Oh, what, the guy from the office. Yes. The yeah. The, office? yeah. the okay. U S office. Yeah. The U S office, obviously. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. I, I, you know, the, the, the Sarek thing is one thing, but I, I just, I want this show to sort of live and breathe on its own and be I its own Star Trek. And I don't really want, um, y y you know, there to be too many. Uh, whereas I like continuity, I, I, you know, it can also be, it can A, make the world seem very small and B, particularly when you get different actors and everything, it, to me, it even makes the continuity worse. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't actually... I hope they don't do that too much then. They've got him planned fair enough, but... Uh, um, I, yeah, I think I saw on IMDb, again, source of all truth, um, <laughs> that he's multiple episodes. Uh, and I had heard that he was coming back, uh, or Harry Mudd was coming back. Mm, um, right. My hopes are that they uh, they stay away from the simple conflicts and get it, get it the, what makes Star Trek, Star Trek for yes. me, which yes. is, you know, sort of the, what I consider Roddenberry Star Trek is, is the quest to make humanity better. Yes. And absolutely. that is what I have always identified with, even as a kid. Those yeah. were the things that I loved was that we were making us we were making ourselves better and we were making the universe a better place. And so I hope that that is one of the core fundaments of the, of the series arc. Um, not just in terms of, you know, like, Oh, we eradicated the threat. Isn't it better that now all the bad people are dead? Like, I, I hope that there's more than that. <laughs> I hope that it is, uh, uh, 
a reflection of the personal growth that humans are capable of, right? That sublimeness that is what humanity is at its best. Yeah. Uh, no, but, I, I, uh, couldn't have, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, I agree. I want it to be about exploration and, and discovery, as <laughs> the title yeah. suggests. Uh, and and you know those things and and you know back to the sort of character crossover things i mean you know i have no problem with the fact that our lead character in this is 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 a human woman who was raised in the vulcan culture i think that's great but part of me wishes it was just another you know um vulcan ambassador or whatever that she was raised by and that it didn't have to be sarek you know it's like <laughs> yeah it's like I that they had to go there didn't they you know it's like <laughs> okay fair enough but i would have you, loved you know. if they they'd played off of um to ping or to paul right some of the the classic vulcan uh religious leaders i guess is the term i'd use Actually, wouldn't that have been amazing if, right. if because to Paul technically could still be alive as a Vulcan, right? Because nope. of their longer age span or whatever. So wouldn't it have been yeah. cool if it had been her and they got well, Jolene Blaylock back? That would have been amazing. <laughs> and and what's her name um, from the original series? T'Pring? Yeah, T'Pring, who is... Um, no, not to print. To pow. Do you mean to pow? Yeah. Pow, okay. Right. To pow, who is also in Enterprise, uh, is like oh, the that's right. that's spiritual right. leader. I yeah, they that that was a Manny Koto thing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. If they had, season. had uh, if they had had instead of going Sarek, who already has a lot uh, going for him, if if they had used her, right, that character. Um, I think that would have been way more interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, oh well, it is what it is. But it is um, what it is. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, what about you, Simon? Have you got any hopes for this? Well, I'm hoping, and I, I doubt they're going to do it. But uh, I was, I'm hoping that they're going to take a trip to the uh, dark universe. <laughs> oh, I, the mirror universe. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Okay. I could not disagree. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, I've I've always sort of been a fan of the uh, the mirror universe, and funny enough, one of my favorite episodes of Enterprise was uh, with the mirror darkly. Yeah, yeah, darkly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. one of I my mean, least favorites. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, okay. I found it quite fun seeing that that the whole sort of bit from first contact with uh, Zeph and Cochran and then you see them attacking the Vulcans instead of yeah. greeting them. So, um, oh, okay. Well, I was... No, yeah, I, I, I have to agree. I have to agree with you, Simon. I know, Pete, I've, I've heard your uh, podcast about Enterprise and I know, I, know that's not, <laughs> I, know, I know that's not one of your favourites, but I have to say, in terms of a, a good, fun romp, that... Yeah. Um, that that mirror universe enterprise episode or two parter is 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 a, a lot of fun and it also acts as a kind of sort of sequel to the Tholian web as well and and I, you know I, I like that <laughs> it does I, my problem with the mirror universe is like your it, it is totally timeline based um, yes. <laughs> be because you know they, the the 
Oh my gosh, it makes me so angry. But um, I have to take a deep breath. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, deep Space Nine totally killed the mirror universe for me because they kept dipping back into it. And then every time they dipped back into it, I was like, wait a second, how does this timeline interact? Where does this make sense? They never would have done this. How do you say that? Why are there humans on this outpost? In the world? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, maybe maybe Empress Hoshi, you know, had a different view on it. I don't know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I actually did like that part. Empress Hoshi was good. Uh, anyway, we'll see. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> the only thing that I could think is why they wouldn't do it for this is because they are trying to tell one cohesive this is story, story. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to episodic, yeah, bouncing around. Um, I, the the one thing I hope they don't do is tribbles because no, me too. Yeah, just yes, because I agree. you know when it when it comes to people who aren't uh, you know f- big fans of Star Trek, uh, tribbles is that one thing that they go, oh yeah, yeah, the little fairy things. We all know that. I mean, yeah. uh, hence why it's they used in the films and, uh. and and if anybody outside of you know had never seen a Star Trek episode in their life. We're thinking, well, what's this little furry thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, don't get me that. That was the whole thing with the super blood. Oh, so yes. Don't even get me started. Well, that's that. that's the thing in the Calvin, the, the, the Calvin <laughs> yeah. timeline. Nobody can die now because they've got... No, yes, that's, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, I hope they don't bring Tribbles into this. We've had enough troubles with Tribbles, you know? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. <laughs> Although but, I uh, worry that... With Klingons being a main part of this, you know, like I, somebody in that writer's room is going to pitch, like, no, no, no. And then we beam over some tribbles mm. and we get all these shots of these big, scary Klingons not liking tribbles. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. I, I will not be happy. But yeah. uh, I mean, you know, part of me, oh, God, you know, it's like, They've had to go back, you know, there with Klingons, you know, yet again. But it looks like they're going to use it as a, you know, as a, as a proper story point. Um, yeah, and a, so. and, a, and a gap in, in what we've had in the history. So that's fair enough. As I said, I just wish they'd thrown a couple of hairy Klingons in there for good measure. But, um, but there you go. They didn't. <laughs> Still time. Still time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if they were going to really do it, they should throw in a smooth face Klingon. And there you go. <laughs> right? Like a TOS yeah. Klingon and uh, uh, a Wharf type Klingon. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, we, we, got, the... we, we got a uh, Into Darkness type Klingon. Because, yeah. you know, there was some similarities. I know it's not exactly the same, but no, there, but there were some, definitely some yeah. similarities there. Um, and uh, and I, I quite like the idea of them using the, uh, you know, the Klingon language throughout and doing subtitles instead of the. Uh, the usual sort of suspending your disbelief and believing that they're talking Klingon when they're all speaking in English, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Again, they can do these things now. Hmm. They can. <laughs> We're more open to subtitles, right? Yeah. yeah. As a viewing popular. I hope we find out more about that lady who had a uh, computer for a head. Well, yeah, actually, hmm. good. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was something I was thinking about that I'd forgotten to bring up as well. Yeah, that what what that what was all that? There was like like a sort of was that supposed to be like a a sort of 
precursor to artificial life, i.e. data type life that comes late, much later. Was that supposed to be like a really no. early they look robot like human or hands. something? No. It looked like right. human hands. Yeah. The, you know what I noticed is that three people on the bridge, three people on the bridge had uh, mechanical implants is what it looked like. There was the one guy who had the band around his head. And then there was the guy with the blue face had like a bolt in the back of his neck. And then the computer head lady. Uh, it seemed like a really weird choice that they threw in there and then didn't go into any further. Mm. It, it stems from the films again. It stems from the Calvin Timeline films because they, they've had characters like that in on the bridge. You know, they're just being thrown there without any rhyme or reason there's, there's no backstory yeah. to them they're just there and so it's just an, another race of aliens that just you know just happen to be on the bridge but you know do they have a woman with a tv for a head I kind of that. no they had the guy with the three arms who was a throwback to the animated series yeah, I mean, there's there's been you know similar things where they you know they've been augmented with you know some sort of uh, sort of technology, or yeah. you know. I, well, they I, say I, that's the yeah. future. They, 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 that's going to happen. You know, in our society, you know, already people are um, getting near field communication chips inserted in their wrists and stuff like yeah. that for uh, for payments and 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 all those sort of weird things. So yeah, that's quite possible in you know, two, 250 years time, I suppose, you know, it's like, yeah. why not? But, but I mean, listen, yeah, but I just, no, just wanted to say, but I mean, from your point of view, you're sort of, sort of, you know, latching onto this, this sort of character, this sort of, you know, just a bit player who may never appear again in any other episode. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, oh, wow, what's happening? You know, uh, you know, is this a race or is this a human that's being augmented or, but, they're never going to go into it. It's just a alien to have on the bridge that's different from everything else. Yeah, it's just accepted like everyone, which is what Star Trek's all about. So I, I know, cool. but I'm, I'm. But my point being is, is it, it's not that they're, they're being accepted on the bridge. It's just that it's something cool to have, but there isn't a reason for it to be there. Right. Know? Yeah, I noticed they even had the red on that on that person's. Yes, head screen thing. They had the red alert logo from the motion picture. Yeah, which I thought, oh, nice. I like that. I always like those little little design things. Yeah, but, but uh, that that was stupid. Why would you have a well, red alert on somebody's face <laughs> and not in the? I mean, what if you if you weren't on the bridge looking at that person? How the hell would you know it was red alert? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you, you gotta, go. You gotta, doing a little communicator to her. It's like, hey, wh what's on your face right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it what's dinner time? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could come up with all sorts of crude jokes related to that, but I'm oh, not okay. going to go there. Um, <laughs> what, what was I going to say? Um, so uh, obviously, you know, we've got quite geeky and, uh, you know, you know it, it, some of our listeners may have tuned out already. <laughs> knows, but, uh, so, yeah. so, so I'm going to ask you then, Pete, as a Star Trek fan and... I think we can go there. The animated series, yeah. is that, uh, to you, is that officially part of the Star Trek canon or not? Yeah, to me it is. I mean, um, it, it was produced with Roddenberry's oversight, uh, like other Star Trek. 
Um, I know that, again, people don't like it because, oh, it, it's not the Star Trek that I know. Um, and uh, I, I fully subscribe to the infinite diversity and infinite combinations, like I've said numerous times. And so if Gene Roddenberry signs off on it, then it's okay by me. And uh, he produced it. It was part of it. Hmm. Uh, I, I consider a lot of the novelizations canon, right? If you've got it produced under Star Trek, it's Star Trek. It might not be your Star Trek. And I say that right to the people listening who didn't like it. It might not be yours. I know for me, Deep Space Nine is not my Star Trek. It doesn't speak to me. It doesn't, it doesn't fill me with the joy that other Star Treks do. Uh, but I watched it. I don't know that I'll watch it again. I've watched the animated series. I don't know that I'll watch it again. But uh, the stories that it told, I still have in my mind and I can still recall. Uh, and, and the stories that they told still uh, affect the stories of Star Trek and the timeline of Star Trek. Mm. Um, I think the animated series was actually really cool because they were able to do things that you couldn't do in TV at that time. Yeah, right? like have like, three-armed aliens. And have a three-armed like alien on yeah. the bridge, right? Yeah. Which, which was a great depth to the storytelling, you know? Yeah. They had a 50-foot Spock in one of the episodes. And, and, like, you couldn't do that convincingly on TV, but you could do it animated. In animation. It, yeah. In animation. You couldn't yeah, do it in, in the 60s. You could do okay. it in animation. I mean, I have to admit, again, it's like all of the series, it's one that I've seen some of and some of them multiple times, but probably still not every episode of. But my view on the animated series was you had the original, you know, you had Roddenberry's involvement. You had a lot of the writers of, of the original series involvement yeah. and you had the voice actors doing the voices to their likeness. Right. So as far as yeah. I was concerned, um, that was the continuing of the five-year mission that we didn't get uh in the live action ones because they cancelled it so to, to me you know i think of it as, as as canon from that point of view uh the thing that i think is quite spooky and, and spooky in a really sad way now is the only character that wasn't present in the animated series to my knowledge anyway was was chekhov yeah, and right. weirdly, when when you when you see what's happened in real life now, um, you know, if they do continue to make the, the Star Trek movies, um, apparently J.J. has gone on record as saying out of respect to Anton Yeltsin, they won't be recasting Chekhov as a character. So it, it's, it's, it's kind of odd because does that mean that that will continue on with with, you know, another character in that place you know like a three-armed <laughs> alien or whatever but it, it does seem kind of kind of odd you know that that he was the character that was missing from from the animated series and yeah. um you, you know life life's weird like that sometimes you know it's yeah but but, but i always enjoyed it saying i i wouldn't agree with not recasting Chekhov because uh uh I think Star Trek is bigger than one person, right? You recast Kirk, you recast, uh, you know, all of the original series actors when you redid it. You you move between different Sareks, 
uh, right? And uh, I think it's okay to recast a character. Um, and I think that it's it's a disservice to the story and possibly even a disservice to what, uh, I can't remember his name now, that actor who died. Anton tragic. Yeltsin. Yeah. Anton Yeltsin, right? And yeah. it was a horrible Great act- actor. Great actor, and and it wasn't anything like you know that it right. He just got out of his car and his car rolled back on him. Right? Yeah, very sad. Uh, it was a freak accident, and I think that it it doesn't service the story to 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 cut out this character and and you I think dishonor his memory by not continuing the character. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, well, maybe maybe they will. I, I don't know. I just I just thought I'd read somewhere again, probably on IMDb, <laughs> that yeah. JJ um, had said that they because uh, obviously he's continuing to, to to produce these films, even though he's obviously Mr. Star Wars now. Um, but uh, um, to go back to the animated series, I think mm-hmm. um, have you seen that episode of Next Generation where the devil shows up to claim the planet? as her own oh yes i remember that episode right yeah uh and then they find that anyway the animated series did kind of a version on that where they went and found the devil's planet uh and it is a better episode than that star trek next generation episode it is an episode that i think of all the time in terms of morals and meanings and it was an animated episode for a kid's tv show Wow. Right. Okay. Is the so, devil supposed to exist in in Roddenberry's Star Trek universe? Because I thought religion was kind of not a uh, not a thing. Or have I well, got that wrong? Well, so religion is not much of a thing. But then you know he had to put it in in some of the original series episodes to appease the CBS right, right. Uh, overlords. But um, the devil in the animated series goes, "Yeah, I was just a guy, right? I'm just a being." I'm not right. human, uh, but I was ascribed all of these things, and then stuff formed up around me. But right. this is who I am. Okay, because I know Roddenberry didn't like, what does God need with a starship? <laughs> 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 but then nor did a lot of people, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Simon. I, w- I would recommend watching it. It's all on Netflix. <laughs> it's all on CBS All Access if you're paying for it in the U.S., right go watch it fair enough simon i've got i've got to ask you i mean you've yeah. been quiet there but but for you deep space nine is your star trek right? yes am i, am it I is. right that's your yes. actually your favorite one. Oh, that's my right? favorite <laughs> yeah. well, no, it's, it's probably the one i've seen the least of to be oh, fair right. but um you, yeah you know, it's uh, it's it's the one that i've i've out of um the sort of next generation series of uh shows i've seen the most i've seen it three times all the way through all the way uh, through. All the way through, yeah. Um, and for me, um, uh, what I originally enjoyed about it was the fact that uh, that these the the crew didn't go off to another world. They were there, you know, having to deal with all these sort of uh, you know all the politics of uh, this world, um, this world that they were, um, you know, I guess in guardianship of, or you know helping yeah. to get them to move into the uh federation they had the whole discovery of the wormhole and then you know you also had the fact that they were on this space station that was alien to them and you know 
wasn't in the best of health and you know there was a lot of uh things left over from when the um you know Kardashians. the kardashian oh god I fucking saying kardashians the kardashians were there wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. they're both evil <laughs> ah. But um, uh, I, I was yeah, going to. One I was, of my most popular tweets was seven seasons in, and I can't tell these Cardassians apart. <laughs> talking about Kiss and everyone thought that I had misspelled Cardassians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, and you know, I also like the fact for for once we got to see a, a war take place in the Star Trek uh, universe. With the Dominion War and uh, you that's know, right, I, you had that yeah. whole Jem Hadar yes. arc or whatever. Yes. Is that right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, with yeah. That, the, the, I, the I founders, the founders, and the Jem Hadar, and you know, there, there the was Dominion War. Yeah, I mean, you you know, there was a, you know a bit of paranoia that came into the Star Trek universe that wasn't there before. The fact that anybody could be replaced and be a changeling, you know, I mean, the fact that they, you know, they did start doing the whole sort of thing blood test where they would cut themselves and let the blood drip onto a table to show that they were human. So it's, I always found it very interesting. And yeah, you know, there was, I was also a fan of Babylon 5 at the time. And I think, just thinking about it now, I I think definitely Babylon 5 for the first four series was probably a, a, a superior series to Deep Space Nine, but I just enjoyed the characters and the interactions and stuff, and the fact that it was in the Star Trek universe. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, Deep Space Nine was was my Star Trek. I mean, that was when I was the, the height of my uh, being a. I would I would say I was a Trekkie when that series was on. That was sort of you know you can always be a Trekkie. You don't have to take yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> oh no i was like serious trekkie i mean i was collecting all the <laughs> figures and uh, reading loads of books and i would i actually bought most of deep space nine on vhs as well as oh. uh, a lot of uh voyager on vhs because that was the that was that was the way to get it early without yeah. having to wait for it to come on tv oh because you were in the uk yeah yeah, yeah. You mean- yes yeah yeah we had um, I mean, now up. now we all get everything at the same time, but uh, definitely growing up, I always find this when we're talking about films and where we were when they were out, and it never seems to always match up with when the films were released. But then I realised that in the UK, quite often we could get things a year or two later mm. than they were yeah. originally aired in the US, and that was the norm, you know, back then. Which seems, you know, any millennials listening to this will be like, what? You didn't have it instantly. <laughs> What's going on? You know, <laughs> and then and then we had to wait a year for it to come out on VHS. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. None of this two month stuff or whatever oh. it is nowadays on average. But um, yeah, you, you'd have to wait a long time. You wouldn't get simultaneous uh, releases of anything. Um, yeah. So it was I grew a different up in time. Asia, so I had the same problem. Mm. Right. Right. Okay. So fair enough. Yeah, I, I moved to the US in 1995. Ah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I was living, I was living out there at that point. So, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Listen, um, I think we 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 have probably. I know it's a massive subject, but yeah. I think we probably have for the for the little bit of discovery that we've been shown so far. We've probably thrashed it to death here. So, we we um, have. We're actually longer than the two episodes combined. Hey, there you go. There you go. 
what we always crave for on, on movie heaven, movie hell. There you have it. <laughs> but um, really, really do appreciate um, you joining us from the US, Pete, to, uh, to, to share your thoughts on this. And, um, and I think, you know, everything you had to say essentially was very positive when it, you know, I, I feared it might go the other way. I don't know. You oh. know but just, just judging on some of the comments that I'd read on, um, as I said, on, on IMDb. Um, but uh, we always ask people um, if, if people want to see your work or there's anything that you want to talk about in terms of what's next for you. Um, we want to give you the opportunity to do so. So where can people find you? Thanks. I'm uh, I'm on Twitter um, at uh, Spud underscore Monkey uh, on Twitter. It's not a great name, but it's mine. <laughs> and um, that's uh, that's really the only project I have coming out that I can talk about. I'm uh, not often seen, but uh, around and about on occasion. And uh, okay. yeah, I can't thank you enough for uh, having me here to talk about my absolute favorite topic of brilliant, all time. Brilliant. Well, yeah. well, well, maybe, maybe uh, when, you know, uh, next March or whenever this, this show finishes, because I know there's a little gap and then it comes back again early next yeah. year. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe we can do a follow up episode to this where we, t- you know, this is about our initial reactions to Star Trek Discovery. Maybe we can do our end of season reactions and, and see if we still feel the same way or not. That could be quite interesting. Mm. So I am maybe yeah. we'll always do that. happy. <laughs> Always happy to talk about stuff. Anytime. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so, Keith, where can we find your work? Okay. Well, if you uh, go onto YouTube and put in British Isles, that's E Y L E S, as in my last name, uh, you can see uh, some films that I've made there. And if you put my name into IMDb, you can see um, other projects uh, that I've worked on in the past. And as always, you can find my work on independentrunnings.com. Also, I'm on IMDb too. <laughs> so check out some of my work there. I still haven't got everything listed on there, which is uh, surprising. Oh, God. Me, me neither. Yeah. There's loads of stuff missing, but it gives yeah. you an overall flavor. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm on IMDb too. Pete, not Peter. Ah. Ah. Okay. And as always, uh, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and all good podcasting uh, websites. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Just search Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. Uh, Leave us a rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. It all helps. And um, have I left anything else? I think that's it. No, I don't think so. (laughs) I feel like there's something else. Live live long and prosper. <laughs> yeah. Peace and long life. <laughs> May the force be with you. Oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> that's the next podcast. That's the next one. <laughs> Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before.